like to invite everyone to turn with me in your Bibles. We're going to the book of Romans today, Romans chapter 8, and I'll be reading verses 28 and 31. It's Romans 8, verses 28 and 31. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That was verse 28, now verse 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? This time our brother Dean will bring us this morning's message the eternal gospel of Jesus. Good morning, church. After that exciting story, I don't know what else I can say. Thank you, Carolyn. And thank you, Sarah, for your beautiful music. It fits the thoughts I have this morning. It was just 12 years after the birth of Jesus, and the question comes, was this the first time that this boy realized that he was going to be the lamb? That day when he spoke in the temple with the theologians of the day, and they realized that he was something and someone very special, did he know that he was the lamb that one day would be slain. His mother had taught him to read the scriptures, especially Deuteronomy, Psalms, and Isaiah, and all the other Old Testament scriptures and the writings of Moses. He knew all the descriptions about a lamb and the goat offerings and the children of Israel and their wilderness wanderings in Canaan. Just how old was the boy when he first knew that he was born? to be slain. His mother had taught him well. Let us go to the carpenter shop this morning and try to stand beside the carpenter in his late teens and early 20s. By now he knew his mission and his fate. He had read about himself. Can you imagine that? Reading about yourself in the books of Isaiah and Psalms. The cross of Christ his resurrection and his second coming are exhaustless themes. We could study them for a lifetime and never really exhaust the meaning. The well is very, very deep. It has no end. A preacher could preach a thousand sermons on these subjects and barely scratch the surface of the depth that is there. And so he was born that he would die on a cross outside the walls of Jerusalem. All of us were represented there. Everyone here was represented there, the curious passerby, the hardened Roman soldier, Nicodemus the Pharisee, the other Pharisees who taunted him would come down from that cross and then will believe in you, John the th son of thunder, Mary from Magdala, and we know her story, Jesus' mother, 
now about 48 years old. The thieves beside him, we were all represented there. The curious passerby on the road leading out of Jerusalem, today this is the curious person who just takes a peek at the cross and does not linger for a gaze at salvation. The hardened Roman soldiers who were there, most of them said, well, this is just another day at work for us. Except for the one who, when he witnessed Jesus' words from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He responded with, truly, this was the Son of God. Today, this would be the converted agnostic. Nicodemus the Pharisee, he had been thinking about those amazing words that he heard at midnight from Jesus months earlier, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus now revealed he was born again by being there, and after Jesus' death, risked his own life and reputation by asking for and receiving the body of his Lord. Today, this would be the person who was converted from self-righteous religion to a religion of Jesus only and Jesus forever. John, the son of thunder with a wild temper, but now subdued as he watched the amazing spectacle in front of him, he was the only disciple brave enough to be at the foot of the cross. The others had all fled in fear. Then there were those Pharisees taunting him to come down from the cross, saying, If you be the Son of God, come down and we will believe you. One day they will indeed see the Son of God again. They will know that they have made a horrible mistake. Then we see Mary from Magdala, whose earthly life was saved, who was there to be with him because she could not stand to be without him. And in that process, her eternal life was saved. Then we see Jesus' mother, probably weeping uncontrollably. Then we see one thief beside him, born again to salvation. The other thief on the other side, at his death, he went into everlasting darkness. Yes, we were all represented there at the foot of the cross that day. The curious passerby just taking a look but not interested in a relationship with Jesus. The two Pharisees, one born again, the other spewing hate. The hardened soldier bursting forth with truly, this was the Son of God. The disciple who was not afraid to stand with his Lord. Mary, a great sinner, but she realized that Jesus was a greater Savior. The two thieves, one guaranteed for eternal life, the other forever lost. So now we come to the crucifixion. Let us see for it what it really was. In the Roman Empire, crucifixion was reserved for the lowest of the low. The Roman citizens were not even crucified, except for the deserting soldier. It was a penalty left for slaves, by and large. How did this former carpenter, traveling preacher, and teacher who ran afoul of the law became, become the most famous death in all of history? Jesus was certainly scourged before he went to the cross. This punishment was so severe often that some prisoners died before they got to the cross. This was a long strap with nine pieces of metal attached to it, says history, and the prisoner was beaten on the back, causing intense agony. 
After this, the prisoner was typically nailed to the wrist and the feet and situated on the cross that the person had to sit on a sharp spike for a seat. This unnatural position of the body caused intense agony with each movement. So hanging in the hot sun with raging thirst, every moment was pain beyond description. Usually it did not take long for the prisoner to die. That was your Savior and mine. What an astonishing way for a religion to start, founded on a cross. The amazing story of this cross has spawned more artist pictures, more books, and more sculpture, and more music than any other story in history. It was the empty cross and the resurrection of our Lord that separated old Judaism from new Christianity. It spread in the Roman Empire after Christ's birth in spite of all odds, and now to all countries on this planet. The Romans regarded the cross with loathing. They knew that the Christian religion could not work. After all, the leader ended up on a cross. This was the lowest of the low. The leader died. This was the Jewish offshoot, very unsavory to the Romans. The Jews were not popular at the time. The Jews mutilated their bodies with circumcision. A faith starting in Judea with a man from Nazareth, well, that just wasn't even tenable. The fact that the central figure of the religion had been put to death on the cross after some claimed he was king, well, that made it impossible in their minds. It was no less attractive to the Greeks who were in that world the civilized ones who sought after wisdom, truth, and beauty. Here came these followers of Jesus claiming that God was in Jesus reconciling the world unto himself. In other words, God was on the cross. This couldn't be. God couldn't die. It was disgusting to the Greeks to hear that the mangled, crucified Jew was the origin of this new religion. And as far as the Jews were concerned, it was the ultimate insult. The cross and the man who died there could not be the Messiah. They were expecting the Messiah to lead them out from under the Roman dominion. Furthermore, every good Jew knew that a man who hanged on a cross was under the curse of God. That was their firm belief. So the Jews said, how could he be other than an imposter? He died on a tree. Among the Romans, the Greeks, and the Jews, to think of a man dying for his family or his friend, well, that was a possibility. But to die for one's enemy, that was impossible. But then the truth began to come out. His curse he bore was our curse, not his curse. This was proven by his resurrection from the dead. So the empty cross became a place of blessing instead of a place of horror. From his birth, his very name, Jesus, meant Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. His truth began to spread like wildfire and eventually captured the Roman Empire. Many influential Greeks also became Christians. His crucifixion was so special because of who was on the cross. Christians have always believed that God the Father was in Jesus reconciling the world unto himself, as John tells us. And as Paul noted in 2 Corinthians 5.18, he was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Let us go through the Bible and ask various Bible writers just what is this gospel that Jesus was trying to give us. David, just what is this gospel? David tells us, for as the heaven is high Above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. 
As far as the east is from the west, so far removed are our transgressions from us, that he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are just dust. Psalms 103. David, is there anything else you have to tell us? Oh yes, David answers, mercy and truth are meant together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. This occurred only one time in history, and that was on the cross when Jesus died. That's from Psalms 85. David, in answering, brings us to the cross. Isaiah, Isaiah, what do you have to tell us about this gospel of Jesus? Isaiah tells us these words, I will bring the blind by a way that they know not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. Isaiah 42. I am the Lord and beside me there is no Savior. Isaiah 43. Well, there it is again, Isaiah. He brings us to the gospel. The Savior died on a tree and was resurrected to go to the throne of God for us. Let's ask Jeremiah. Jeremiah, what do you have to say about the gospel? He writes, it is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassion fails not. They are new every morning and great is thy faithfulness, says Jeremiah from Lamentations 3. There it is again, the gospel. God turns down no sinner who comes to him and asks for forgiveness. His compassion and faithfulness is new every morning. Oh, wonder of wonders. Matthew, what do you remember about the gospel? You spent three years with Jesus. What did Jesus say? Well, Matthew answers us. I remember so many things, but two stand out. Sitting on a mountainside, Jesus was talking to the people, and I was there that day. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. In Matthew 5. And Matthew also tells us, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. From Matthew 6. There it is, Matthew. There's the gospel. The righteousness of Jesus is the gospel. If we hunger for it and search for it, we will find it. If we seek for first above all things, the gospel will be ours. Mark what do you say the gospel is? Mark answers and recorded Jesus' words as follows. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. There it is, Mark. There's the gospel in action. Well, Dr. Luke, what do you say? What is the gospel? And Luke tells us these words. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many, many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken from her. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There's the secret. Luke 10 and Luke 12. Now John, what do you say? For that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. From John 3. My friends, did you get it? 
That's present tense, half eternal life, right now. Paul, what do you say to the Romans? What is the gospel? Well, Paul writes these beautiful words, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. From Romans 1. There it is, Paul. There's the gospel again. Let us ask the people of Corinth, what is the gospel? Paul tells us, and tells the people at Corinth that day, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us who are saved it is the power of God. But we preach Christ crucified. There it is. The gospel is the cross and salvation by none other from 1 Corinthians 1. Let us ask the people at the church of Galatia, Paul, what did you write to them? But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. From Galatians 6. There it is again. The gospel comes shining through. Well, Paul, what about the church at Ephesus? What did you tell them? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Ephesians 1. There it is again. The gospel is a gift from Jesus. In our travels, we come to the church at Philippi. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There it is again, the gospel, peace in our hearts and minds. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. We come to the church at Colossae where Paul tells the congregation what the gospel accomplishes. If ye then be risen with Christ and seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, and set your affection on things above, not on things of earth. From Galatians 3, the gospel drives us to seek Jesus. Timothy, what did Paul tell you was the gospel? Well, Paul wrote to Timothy, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. 1 Timothy 1 and 2. The Lord knows those who have the gospel. He knows those who are his. He knows our minds. He knows our thoughts. Well, Paul, what did you say to the Hebrews about the gospel? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death and crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Paul, you have said it so plainly and simply. The gospel is Jesus dying for the world of sinners so that they might have and inherit the eternal kingdom of God. John, what do you say? You wrote the last book of the Bible. What do you say to us in earth's last hour? He tells us these words, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every kindred, tongue, and people. Revelation 16. My friends, that's happening right now. 
The gospel is serious business. For the inhabitants of earth, it is life or it is death, eternity or outer darkness. Once we accept the gospel, fear and quaking are gone. We only have peace and happiness. The devil is still alive and is going around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But that's what the great conifer is all about, and we're all caught up in it, whether we want to be or not. And David said, to make us feel a little better, great peace have they which love thy law, Psalms 119. We obtain that peace by understanding and accepting the gospel in Jesus. John, what more did Jesus have to say to us? Well, John wrote in Revelation 3, I counsel to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou may be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Now, my friends, we have to remember something. John wrote it, but Jesus was talking. Let's read it again, remembering that Jesus is talking to us. I counsel to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich with white raiment, that thou may be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with the eye salve, that thou mayest see. That we have the gold of the gospel rich in heaven's treasure, that we have white raiment of Christ's righteousness, that we have the eye salve of the Holy Spirit, so that we can see the gospel, and they shall see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads. Revelation 22. We today are at that cross with those two men known as thieves. We are either with the one on the left or the one on the right. For you see, once you have been confronted with the gospel, you can never be the same again. Once you have seen the gospel of Jesus, there's no fence sitting. Jesus said, either you are for me or you're against me. And my friends, we need to remind ourselves, if we just can't quite make a decision, we have made a decision. The scriptures were written over a period of 1,500 years by men, most of whom did not know each other, yet we find harmony of the gospel story from beginning to end. It's amazing. John, you had the privilege of writing the last book in the Bible, John, Jesus was speaking to us through you. You were the pen. Jesus was the author of the book. After all the 66 books of the Bible, after all the thousands of thoughts and words, what was the final thought Jesus gave to us through you? What was it, John? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. No big, deep theological sermon here. He's just simply saying, I died for you. Accept the salvation I want to give you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Revelation 22, 21. There it is again, the gospel of Jesus, grace and mercy, goodness and peace. He offers his grace to every one of us. If we would just reach out and take it. One great preacher I heard say, salvation's in the air if you just reach out and grasp it. You've heard these words before, but I wish to, I wish to um, read them again to you. And any of you that would like this to tuck in your Bible, please, I'll bring it next week if you just 
nab my, my coat. <laughs> Centuries ago, a great Christian writer wrote these words, Man's maker was made man, that the Lord of the stars might nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread might be hungry, that the fountain would thirst, that the light would sleep, that the way be tired from the journey, that the truth be tired from the journey, that the truth might be accused by false witness, that the teacher be bitten, be beaten with whips, that the vine be crowned with thorns, that the foundation be hung on a tree, that strength might be made weak, that he who heals might be wounded, and that life might die only to rise again. Jesus did die, but he rose again on the resurrection morning, and he conquered death so that we can all have the assurance of salvation. As we leave this morning, don't forget to look up above the doors as you go out the church and remember to read that sign that's there. Something about as you leave this place, you're entering the mission field. Let's bow our heads. Lord, this morning, we hang on to these words of this hymn. The loved ones who have been parted will all meet with us that day. And the tears of those who are brokenhearted will all be wiped away in the gleams of that golden morning.